All right, thank you so much, Joshua, for joining me. Uh, I guess we can just start with your learning story. How would you describe that? Yeah, so obviously now I'm at the college, um, and I learned here as like being like a student at the school. Um, but like overall, I've always, I guess, like clichély been a learner. Um, in more recent years through the internet, um, I find it very hard to learn through books or textbooks or that kind of thing. Um, and school has always kind of been just like a structure for learning that I haven't really always found a lot of resonance with. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my learning comes from projects, comes from media, comes from videos and that kind of thing. And so I love like learning about my passions through that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of way. Um, I find it very hard to learn about stuff that I don't want to learn about or I don't naturally care about or yeah. find value with. So stuff like um, the humanities, the social sciences, sans like econ, um, a lot of stuff like like languages. I find really hard to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm like a like a like an omnipotent. I love like every topic and like area of knowledge kind of person. I've always found it very hard to motivate myself to learn about what I just don't naturally find a lot of interest in. Mm-hmm. And so that way I'm very domain-specific in what I like learning about. But um, yeah, I just, I've, I've always been, in a sense, a learner about what I care about intrinsically. And yeah. it's just always been me, I think. So like, what do you care about? What are the big things? Yeah, so in terms of like, what I care about in general, um, I care a lot about the world's biggest problems and what the world challenges are and how technology and how systems can be applied to solve them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very obvious nebulous and massive area, but that includes things like technologies, that includes stuff like global health, that includes malnutrition, undernourishment, climate change, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I have like a huge sense of urgency and pressure to work on those problems and to make progress on them. And mm. so in that sense, I kind of like cultivates into an interest, into passion for learning about them. Interesting. But stuff like Shakespeare or stuff like um, books um, or even just like pure calculus, I've always found hard um, to, learn, to, like, to, to care about learning about. Yeah. Um, I think for me, a lot of what I find interest in learning about has to have some like, application, application to the real world that's compelling to me and it's mm-hmm. really like you know massive and i guess just urgent to work on and so yeah that's what i care about and that's kind of how it ties to my learning yeah were you always this way or like when was it like i want to solve the big the world's biggest problems um that happened in high school so not always um i always cared about technology and science and i always wanted to be an engineer when i was a kid mm-hmm. um just because like lego and that kind of thing and i found just building stuff very interesting but the passion to like try to like apply that that, that passion for building stuff to actually like real unmet needs in the world became I think I think began in tenth grade when I saw Google made this like this algorithm that now it's very basic looking back for breast cancer detection mm. um, and it was this this huge thing with DeepMind um, it was this like very basic neural network that could just look through images and take malignant or benign for tumors yeah. um, and scans of, of of breast tumors. And to me, that was a really cool idea because it was basically like bridging like really cool technology, like artificial intelligence, machine learning on computers, with an actual like, real world non-technological problem. Yeah. And so you're bridging this like, gap between this like real thing like cancer and like just like a computer algorithm in this really cool way. And so, yeah, the passion just began like with that that breakthrough mainly that I found really interesting and just wanted to dive more into. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of my high school interests that I was chasing, um, with what I was working on, what I was building. And now I'm trying to figure out more about how that can be ethically done. There's a lot of like people that are into AI for good and AI for cancer, for logistics or for like these kind of real world problems, but a lot of it isn't super mindful or thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my thinking now is about how can those solutions be more optimized for, for human good, human safety, human security, and that kind of thing. Beyond the pure, just like how does this algorithm match this need in the world for this this problem? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 
kind of where it began, I guess. Yeah. How do you see that happening? Do you think like we need to slow down before we keep moving forward or just like more regulation as people build? Like, how does this happen? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think so. I think that a lot of like this, the, the mindset of slowing down and like trying to like work things out before we move faster with technology. I think it's well-minded, but I think it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't really just, like, pause innovation for a bit, like, answer these questions about, like, oh, like, AGI and, and the singularity and, you know, like, racial bias and algorithms yeah. and, like, press, like, resume on innovation. It's kind of this this exponential, fast-pacing curve that you kind of can't ever stop um, or slow down because, like, if whatever you try to do, somewhere, someone, somewhere out there in a lab or on their computer in a basement somewhere will just keep building. Yeah. A good example of this is um, the, the twins with Hey Junkie so um, even though like we didn't have an answer yet to bioethics questions about like genomics and designer babies, this man uh, in China developed yeah. these these embryos that were resistant to HIV, and that sounds like a good idea, but he didn't have um, you know permission yet at the time to use CRISPR mm-hmm. on like real embryos, yeah. and so he designed them to be to be resistant to HIV, but that was this huge like crime, and so that's an example of how like regardless of like what you put in place or however you try to stop innovation, you can't really press pause ever because it's this uncontrolled curve. And so how, how I think that we have to we have to approach this is just by like in real time answering questions and working on these problems actively. But I feel like a huge issue is we don't prioritize this enough right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of governments are working on stuff like climate change or stuff like, you know, um, the economy, which are obviously important things to think about. But a lot of like government money isn't being invested in, in future problems, but instead of current problems. Yeah. And so it's hard to future-proof that the funding actually being there right now mm-hmm. to, to have like people that are smart and energized working on these problems. And so I feel like the, the, the only way to actually really prepare for this future and really answer these questions now as they're being you know explored in real time is just to invest more into it. But you know that isn't what's happening right now with governments and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a challenge, I think. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you're more interested in technology than like social sciences. Yeah. But it seems like the problems that you're focused on Mm-hmm. need some social science answers yeah so like do you find interest in the social sciences like when it applies to something like funding for technology like do you see yourself potentially working that or is it do you want to like focus on technology um a little bit so i think like stuff like um economics are really important to understand even if they aren't like super like compelling to you as concepts because mm-hmm. like how the world works is through through the economy yeah um how capital is like flows through people and how um just like wealth moves through nations I think it's important to understand, um, regardless of like you're a technologist or like a, like a literal like economist, and so I think it's important to know those concepts um, that are like integral to the world, regardless of how, of, like how important or how like, cool it is to you. Um, I don't find a natural interest in those kinds of things. I'm not sure why, but I think that like it's be- it could be because the technology like, you can build stuff on your own much easier, and it's much less of a of a barrier to access that kind of thing. With AI, it's just yeah. like your computer, like yeah. VS Code or Jupyter Lab. And like some packages, yeah. So like actually, like 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 a change in the world economy. That's a much bigger, a much like higher ask of you with what you have at, at your like your fingertips, and so it could be like an access and like what I can like build with my fingers. Just difference between the two fields, but yeah, I just like have never found that like same like capacity to build stuff and like realize my dreams in social sciences as I have for tech. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I think it's definitely more permissionless when you're in technology. Yeah, that's the word permissionless. Like. If you want to learn machine learning, you can go watch a 40-minute YouTube video right. about someone showing you how to do it. And right. it's pretty simple, but immediately you can learn. Like, you don't have to wait 
versus versus like other things like if i want to actually like create systemic change there are so many barriers to actually get to the point where you can actually start shaping systems mm -hmm. and even when you're at that point you're not really shaping them that much like they're so stable that they're difficult to shape so i feel like with technology it definitely is more rewarding in the sense that you can create whatever you want right away so i'm curious obviously at UChicago yeah, we have sure. the core mm -hmm. um so we have to like learn everything what, what, what's your take on that how do you feel about that um, yeah, so uh, in the core, we have humanities, physical sciences, uh, we have bio, social sciences, civilizations, languages, so it's pretty widespread and wide-ranging. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's interesting, I think it's important um, if you value just like learning as a as a principle, and learning for you is just, just like a, a, a means to an end for like mastering some skill. So if you just like find value in like intelligence and in knowledge, and like you just, you just enjoy the process of just naturally acquiring information... I think it's very important in that sense. Um, is there like a, a huge like value add of like knowing how like Europe worked in the eighteen hundreds for like my own mission? Maybe not. Um, could it be useful down the line, possibly? But I don't always find like every single unit unit interesting. But I feel like it it forced me to, like to see if it is useful because like without the core, I would never even check out Civ or check out like I don't know like Power and mm -hmm. Soch. And so even if it isn't actually ultimately useful to my to my future. Um, I'm forced to, to confront it and try it out through the core. Yeah. And so it still feels like useful as, useful as like a forcing function or structure to like give me that that option to see if it is useful, even if the, if in the end it isn't that, you know, life-changing to take like a SIP course. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend of a couple weeks ago and she was interested. She's really interested in humanities and she was like, okay, well, I could go like into humanities and get a PhD in English and do research in this. But mm -hmm. she felt kind of guilty about that because she felt that she'd be in this bubble where she's with all these researchers who are pretty well off and they're just doing research on texts and writing about them, but it's not actually translating to real world impact. Yeah. Like there's people out there who are struggling who don't have access to that. And she felt kind of a pull to do something about that. I think when you start speaking about like the utility of knowledge, I think it's always a difficult thing to navigate since like the way I analyze what I'm learning I think the way you do it too is very much like how is this going to help me do something more than that yeah like for some people it's like well learning is a good within itself I'm not I, I don't totally believe that I think that learning is good if you can do something with that learning interesting and I think here with the core a lot of people are like well no you're learning for learning's sake and I, I find that like that's what really attracts people to you Chicago and so I'm curious what your take is on learning for learning and also why you choose UChicago because it, it does seem like there's a very academic like feeling here. Yeah, for sure. So like the question of like whether learning it has value and just being pure learning is kind of just like a wider question of does like what you do in life have to have some like bigger meaning or some bigger purpose? Mm -hmm. And like does like your, your life pursuits have to like serve some like grander like impact based purpose? And I have two yeah. thoughts here. Or I have two like ways of thinking here. So the first one is, you can either believe that it's okay to exist, and just like as long as you're like living and you're as long as you are just passing by and you're happy with your life, regardless of how impactful it could be or how like wide-reaching or like utilitarian your, like your actual life function is, mm -hmm. as long as you're doing okay and that you're doing soundly, that's enough of reason to to, to keep living and that's a valid as a, as a reason to live. That's the first way I see that you can think about this. The other way is, like. I, I believe this in some ways. I know it's a common thought too. Like it's just a feeling of like you owe the world something. And mm -hmm. you feel like because like you've gotten like privileged like as you've been growing up, you have had certain like access to things and you've had certain 
you know, benefits that people don't have in other countries or other areas or other classes, that you owe the world something with your knowledge and your learning. And so what you do learn has to have some like greater impact or purpose that serves those who didn't have what you had when mm-hmm. you grew up. So I'm kind of like figuring out right now actively where I, where I stand in, that, in those two forces because I think it's important to, to be content and grateful for what you have and recognize that like you can just learn about like Shakespeare and if there's no like greater purpose, that's okay. Like that's, that's, that's valid. Like you don't have to be some like, you know, impact driven person if you don't want to be, mm-hmm. but if that isn't like who you like really are as a, as a person, like, is it valuable to, to pretend to be one and to chase some false passion you've been told to chase by somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think that's true. But also I do think that there's like value in like asking yourself, like, do I, do I feel like I owe the world anything by my knowledge and by my power? And like, do my skills have some like potential to impact other people that makes I'm not using to my full ability? So I think if you want to just like chase something yourself and that's your passion, then go for it. I think you should explore other potential like avenues for impact. And if they, they are appealing to you, then do them. But I think there's like not a lot of value in chasing impact or like some like greater world purpose if it doesn't feel like true to who you actually are. Because one will yeah. be half felt. It'll be not, not fully like, it won't, it won't be authentic. And two, I think a lot of, a lot of, I think, I think chasing a mission that that's been told to you is a good thing to do. And you don't like believe yourself or actually resonate with yourself entirely isn't the most like intelligent or fulfilling idea either. Uh, yeah. Either, so yeah, I think I think it, to, like in this this person's case where it's you know I want to do this thing in academia, I want to just like read books and research them and just research texts. I mean that's okay. Like you're allowed to just like chase yourself and your own passions and feel free to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do want to like see like how this could be like potentially helpful to some like other people in the world, that's awesome, of course. But I think that like. Creating a pressure on yourself to do something you don't want to personally do will be maybe fulfilling for other people that they might help in the process. But if you yourself are discontent with that with that, that that life mission, it doesn't feel true to who you are. What's the value in doing it? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's a it's a hard question to answer. But I don't think you should put yourself towards a purpose that doesn't feel like your own one, just for the sake of like what's been told to you is good for the world. That yeah, makes sense definitely. So, how do you figure out like what your purpose truly is? Yes, so about this. So I've actually had thoughts on this for a while. I think a lot of this, like, finding your passion, finding your purpose thing isn't actually true. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of cases you can actually just choose your passion or yeah. build your passion. Um, like, I like the idea that, like, it's just out there waiting for you to find by, like, osmosis or by chance or by coincidence. And that one day you'll just, like, find some, like, awesome answer to all your problems that you want to work on for the rest of your life. It doesn't feel true or realistic because... Like, I don't know, like, let's say, like, like your passion is, is, is to research academia and to just, like, do a PhD in English mm-hmm. and just, like, chill out, like, you Chicago for, like, 50 years. It's obviously awesome if that's who you are, but that, that doesn't just, like, in my opinion, come to you by, like, the world you're around eventually, like, by, like, some, like, magic force in the world. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, like, your passions is what you choose it to be yourself and yeah. what you personally commit yourself to. And so it can be hard to do, for sure, but I feel like the idea that, like, it'll come to you um, about your own intention being put into it is is untrue, and so I would try things out. I would see like what what might appeal to you. You might have like certain like 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 preconditions or certain like 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 you know biases, certain things like certain fields or certain problems or certain questions in life. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the idea that like it'll come to you without your own effort being put into it is is realistic. Yeah, definitely, I, I agree. Uh, I remember in my senior year of high school, like. It was very often where I'd come back to this question of like, what even is my purpose? And I would get very like sad about it. Kind of like, 
I haven't found it and people keep talking about finding it. Yeah. And eventually I read some random like CEO's LinkedIn about me and there was this part where he says, I was aimless in my life like when I was a teenager and a mentor told me, write down your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so he, he went and wrote it down and since then it's like stayed relatively the same. And that's given his life so much direction and he's been so much happier and impactful since then. And I think the the find that find your passion is particularly dangerous. Are you familiar with Cal Newport's So Good They Can't Ignore You? No. So it's about like choosing your career. And he did some research on people who did, I think they were like admissions officers and whether they felt fulfilled in their job. And so mm-hmm. the, the main predictor for whether someone felt fulfilled in their job in something is how long they've been doing it. And so he looked at this interesting like he looked at this in other careers and it's the same thing over and over again. And so what he came up with is just this idea of being a craftsman in whatever career you are in and that's right. what's gonna like get you the value, like trying to become the best at whatever you're doing. Versus first finding what you should do and then doing it. And right. yeah. I think it's difficult to know what I think number one, you're gonna like a lot more things than you think you're gonna like if you actually like find the right community to do it in. Number two, the more you do something, the more you can like find the intricacies in it and really fall in love with it. And I think that's not like shared enough. And I think one thing valuable about the core is that does force you to explore a little bit just to see like what your natural inclinations are. Yeah. And then you get to really hone in and start becoming a craftsman. Um, But yeah, the purpose question is difficult. I think it's something I still grapple with because each year I still like ask myself, what do you think your purpose is? And it's been pretty stable. That said, like there are minor changes, and I'm not really even sure what inspires those minor changes. It's just like interesting. Intuitively, it feels different. No, yeah, for sure. There's like a, there's an idea of like constants or like permanency in um in your, your your life purpose. And once you find it, it's kind of just gonna be there forever for your entire life, and everything you do will tie to this this one central purpose. I don't believe that yeah. for many reasons, but I feel like at, at its core, um, like as a person, you change so quickly. The world changes around you very quickly. If your purpose is to like reinvent, like computers, that's being done like like every single day at, at an increasing rate, and so like your purpose right now that you might find in the world could like not even exist in twenty years. Mm-hmm. If like the, the the job that they want to work in dissolves, if yeah. the, the problem is answered or solved by somebody else, and so there's an idea of like it's like lifelong commitment or like tether to your, to like your found purpose that'll be with you for your entire life. They just like do not subscribe to it all. I think it's also just okay to like not have like one central purpose that like you know for sure or like have like subscribed to entirely. Mm-hmm. And if you just like 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 follow your interests, build stuff, work on cool things, and are curious as a person, even if there's like there's like no like one central like denominator for all of those things in your life, but you're still like doing things that might be like marginally impactful for someone in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's okay. Um, I think that like if like your your um your question about purpose is more philosophical in terms of like existence and meaning and that kind of thing, I get how it can be hard to grapple with because it's like if I have no purpose as a person just yet, like why am I here entirely? Yeah, I think that is a bigger problem, a bigger question than just like what should I work on and what should I like explore in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a different beast that I can't entirely answer. But in terms of the like just like what should I work on kind of purpose, where it's more about like what I should what I should commit to in my life and how I can be useful as a person. I would leave the idea of constancy and I would think more about how I can just like actively search for new things to work on. And if there's no like one central tenet or some central like factor between them, that's like your one life passion or purpose, that's okay. Because 
you're still doing stuff regardless of like that being there or not and so you're doing okay as a person yeah definitely i think there is value in just making motion at certain points i think it's good to be intentional in what direction you're going into right but just simply making motion sometimes is the best thing you can do because if you just like try to think about forever like what your purpose is you'll never actually start doing anything yeah no for sure i feel like a bias towards action is very important here um you can search for a purpose and never find it and like spend your entire life just like searching for this like out of reach idea that like that isn't coming to you and that might not, might not ever come to you and if you're not making progress as a person or growing as a person or building stuff or taking any action in the process that's that's obviously like like just like can be like a worthless life or you know an unfulfilled life but if you build stuff and if you try new things out and if you explore things and you don't find your purpose the entire time let's say and like you just still end up aimless you've done all this stuff in the time being um that's grown you as a person that's made you do all these cool things in the world whatever and so there's still progress there without maybe some like core purpose behind it but you're still growing as a person and so i feel like regardless of like whether your purpose is coming to you or not just action is still pretty pretty important in what you do regardless yeah definitely so once you have an idea of where you want to end up and what you want to do how do you how does that shape how you approach your education as you're in college and also when you were in high school um yeah, for sure. Um, so a lot of what I want to work on, what I find really interesting in other people that I want to work towards or imitate, um, doesn't require a college path. Mm-hmm. Not just like the, the conventional like startup, like SF dropout lifestyle, but also just like a lot of what I want to learn isn't taught in colleges. Like no one, mm-hmm. there's no class for like, solving world problems. There's yeah. no class for like, ending poverty. Um, there's no class for like figuring out the answers to, the answers to these, these, these like massive and pressing challenges in the world. Um, half because they're new, like AI ethics is, is like such a new thing to think about where it's like, mm-hmm. um, education hasn't yet dissolved, like, made a system or made a structure to answer those questions yeah. or teach about it. Cause it's, it's such a new concept. Also it's because it's hard to teach these, like, it's hard to structure and teach in like in a school system, like with these kind of massive topics in a, in a kind of learning environment like school. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, um, a lot of what I want to work on or like learn about isn't actually available through school. Yeah. And so... What I do find here are tools and ways to, like, to build tools, like coding, mm-hmm. uh, like thinking in systems, yeah. um, dot connection, stuff like that are valuable tools that I can learn at school that I can apply on my own um, to these world problems. But like actual direct knowledge about what I want to work on is very hard to attain through just school. Uh, and so my motivation right now for being in school is just I want to learn how to, to develop skills that I can work on and apply um, through school. Like I can learn like, how to code or how to build stuff like how to like fabricate like labs and chips and that kind of thing. Um, I can learn that in a school environment. Can I learn how to apply it to like malaria? Possibly not. Mm-hmm. But the actual like, tech piece, the actual like engineering piece I can get at a school environment in a pretty robust and reliable way. Yeah. So the actual like connection to my own passions piece, like I have to find that myself. Mm-hmm. But the actual um, preliminary tool piece I get from school. I yeah, think. definitely. So school is about tool acquisition and yeah. then it's up to you like how you actually use those tools. Yeah, it's a better way of wording it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious to hear more about your takes on systems thinking. This is something I got really into this past spring when mm-hmm. I had a bunch of free time and like the idea, I don't I don't know if you're like familiar with emergence and um, like emergent properties from systems. Oh yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Like th- this is one of the coolest things I've ever um explored so i'm curious to hear like what interests you about that and what like how do you look at that and actually applying systems to real life yeah for sure so um 
some background here. Um, so part of it was was principles by Ray Dalio, which mm-hmm. I think you've all, I think you've also read. 